Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I think we all grow up with the belief that money can't buy happiness and it's drilled down. And so after speaking with a ton of extremely wealthy people who state that they are happy, they tell me money can buy happiness because it helps us afford the necessities of life, the things that are essential for us to live. All right. Which camp are you in? Money can buy happiness or money can't buy happiness? You know, I grew up hearing that money can't buy happiness, but then... I saw everyone in my life push really hard to make money, hold on tight to money, and not always enjoy money, so it all just got really confusing for me. Our guest, Jason Vitug, author of the new book, Happy Money, Happy Life, a multidimensional approach to health, wealth, and financial freedom, and also the founder of Frugal.com, believes that money isn't everything, but it does impact most everything in our lives. So how in the world do we find balance and actually put money in its place? Well, in this episode, we're going to shatter some long-held money beliefs about happiness that just don't work anymore. Jason also shares why money can buy happiness, but we got to have a little perspective on that. How to unlearn all of the false money beliefs that you've ever picked up and his unique approach to creating happy money and happy life. Let's start talking. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. I'm always excited when we get to have these conversations about money and wellness and money mindset and mental health and kind of the intersection of all of those things. It's definitely something I'm very passionate about. I know you share that passion as well. And we're here to talk about your new book, Happy Money, Happy Life, which, you know, is something I think we we all want, right? That is our our goal, our pursuit. We just don't know how to get there. But I want to start with this. Um you say that 
Money can buy happiness, but it isn't happiness. I, I want to dive into that statement a little bit. Walk us through that because typically we we kind of throw around, you know, money can't buy happiness. So you're saying a little bit of the opposite here. Just, uh, you know, fill us in on this idea of money and happiness. Yeah, no, this is perfect because I think we all grow up with the belief that money can't buy happiness and it's drilled down. And so after speaking with a ton of extremely wealthy people who state that they are happy, they tell me money can buy happiness because it helps us afford the necessities of life, the things that are essential for us to live, shelter, food, healthcare. So those things add to the quality of the life that we're living, and therefore it enables us to be able to choose happiness. However, the other side is that people are believing that money in itself is happiness. So what they do is they constantly chase financial milestones, their income goals, revenue goals, savings goals, investment portfolio goals. And what tends to happen is that they believe that once they reach a million dollars, once they reach $100,000 in salary, that they will be happy. And unfortunately, Many people who achieve these financial numbers, they come come out of it going, well, I'm not happy and I made all these sacrifices. I, I decided to go on this path and I think I made the wrong choice and they go into this mental, emotional spiral. And so for me, I wanted people to understand that money can buy happiness, that it's okay for us to work to earn money to afford the necessities of life, but to understand that happiness in itself is not money. How do you think those two things got connected? It really is. <laughs> Capitalism, marketing, and, and things like that. It's this belief that there's, there should never be enough because if once you accept your enoughness, once you accept you have enough to live a good life, well, chances are you're not going to go buy the latest and greatest new gizmo or gadget or clothing or apparel, what have you. And so that does break the machine. And so it is ingrained in us. And that's why I think it's important for us to, to understand that concept. Because when we believe money can't buy happiness, and again, it's, it's drilled down, we start choosing to spend it on things that don't actually add value to our life. So because we, we have this belief, oh, it can't buy happiness anyway, so I'll go ahead and buy this or buy that. And then ultimately, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. We don't believe it can buy happiness. And so we certainly don't spend it to buy happiness. It's so interesting because, you know, I, I'm always trying to be like fully transparent on this, on this podcast and share, you know, my own struggles and the things that I deal with. And, you know, this has been something that's been very hard for me to, um, I don't know what the right word is, but but to maybe put it in its its right perspective, because I grew up in a family where I interpreted that things um, and status were your worth, and I struggled with that for so many years as a kid. I made some really you know dumb mistakes, and just couldn't understand why you know I, I couldn't have a, a better relationship with money, and still to this day, sometimes I. I struggle with it. You know, if I look at the bank account balance and it isn't, you know, a certain number or there isn't a certain amount of money coming in, it's like I have these moments where it's like all I can hyper focus on is the dollars. And I, I think, you know, what I love about your book and your message is, is you talk about this really being, you know, it's like a moment by moment experience and choice that we have with money. And I'm just thinking, you know, for myself and everyone listening, how can we, if, if we are hyper-focused on this, even though we understand that, you know, that th these two things don't just automatically connect, how can we start to like reframe our thinking so that we can, you know, come to some level of, of peace around this? It's so vital for us to become aware of where we are in life. And I think most of us don't go through that process. We have these thoughts and we start filling our minds and our time with things to distract ourselves 
from these thoughts. And a good way to start on this process of what I say healing from past financial issues, past financial traumas, is to acknowledge these situations. And that requires time. And so an investment in time in yourself to do the work of kind of understanding why you have these thoughts, why you have these feelings when it comes to money. And it does take a bit of time, once again, to unravel uh, the messiness that we've all grown up to 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 be in, and so so for me, it really is that that first part, the awareness factor, understanding your thoughts and feelings, and it's going to be really uncomfortable. And what I want you to do is lean in to that uncomfortableness, and what that does, it starts unraveling the walls that your mind has built to quote unquote, protect you. And I think that is essential. And that goes into the mental health aspect of it. And so when we think about mental health issues, when we think about mental health crisis and stuff like that, our brain is built to protect us from unknown things. But also, unfortunately, if our brain only knows one way of thinking, because that's how we've grown up, that's the only thing we've been exposed to, well, it's going to try to keep the status quo. And that status quo doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing for you. So when you're feeling uncomfortable about a thought or an emotion related to money, I want you to lean into it. I want you to start understanding it. And what that does, again, it starts reframing your brain, your actual cognition processes to, to understand and reframe your situation. That is, is essentially what's, what's, what helped me understand why I was messy with money. And I think people have seen my trajectory, my growth, and I now am in a place where I'm no longer ashamed. I'm no longer afraid or embarrassed of my financial messiness. I've accepted this this label now that I was a high-functioning financial mess, and I am working my way through that messiness to a place of happiness. And I want other people to understand the same thing too, that this is a journey. There's a lot of ups and downs, twists and turns. And there are certain things that happened in the past that's going to bring itself forward into the present. And you're going to want to retreat, but what you want to do is lean back in. And, and I think that is where we start. Uh, I love that high functioning, uh, would you say financial messiness or money messiness? Yep. Either one. I think I'm, you know, like a proud member of that club too. <laughs> we, ha- we have our certificates coming in the mail. Um, I-, I love this. So, you know, this is, this is a lot of work that I've been doing myself, like particularly I would say over the last, you know, five or six years where I really understood that you know, all the things you're talking about, the the awareness, like un- uncovering all of the, this messiness, this is the real path to change, to create change. And, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times people would say, well, why do I, why do I need to create change? And I was always like, well, you know, aren't there things that you want to do in life that you're, you're kind of stuck? Like you can't actually, you can't actually reach those goals. And so, you know, I, I, for anyone listening who who may feel at that point, like maybe they've uncovered some of this messiness. Maybe they, you know, have have zeroed in on some like false money beliefs that they grew up with, or whatever it might be. Maybe trauma in a relationship, you know. And they they've got to this awareness point. Like, where do you take it from there? How do you know how to move through that? And if you are indeed actually moving through it. So I think what I've learned in this process and what I've shared in the book is that it is very convoluted. There's so many layers. And the the premise of the book is our multidimensionality, our multilayeredness, our multifacetedness. And for people to understand that there's certain aspects of what makes us us. And that's why it's very difficult to kind of hone in on a specific area. So yes, that awareness might lead to other aspects. Uh, that you're not ready to deal with. And then you're, and then you retreat back going, okay, well, you know what? I accept my fate, I accept my financial messiness, and it's never going to change. And then eventually it's just going to continue to lead on to mental distress, emotional uh, uneasiness, and, and things like that. So for me, I want people to understand once you've gained this awareness and unraveling 
some of these issues that are coming up to the surface. And the best thing to do is actually start focusing on what you can control. And most of the things we can control are the financial aspects of it. So think about that. Finances is what often causes us distress and issues. And we say we can't solve our financial situations. But in reality, money problems are probably the easiest things to solve when we compare it to mental and emotional issues. And I want people to sit on that for a moment. Because when we talked earlier about what money can do, money can buy happiness. Well, money solves money problems, but money can't solve life problems. And so when we're looking at financial issues causing distress because there were past financial traumas or relationship issues or what have you, what we're going to unravel is that there's something much more than money. And we've been using money as this, this, uh, place where we focus all our attention. And then we say, oh yeah, I'm unhappy because I don't make enough money and I don't make enough money. Therefore, I can't buy my dream home. I can't go on those amazing vacations or those or those trips and that car. And all of a sudden we go in this, this spiral of just focusing on one aspect of what makes you you, the financial component of it. And so the answer to that is when you're doing the work and unraveling, Focus on these specific financial issues you may have. And chances are, the answer is we got to figure out where you can cut back, where you can make additional income, where you can utilize products and services to help you automate different functioning. Because if your mind is busy trying to figure out how to manage your day-to-day life, you definitely want to use some automation in your finances so you're not thinking about the daily task. And that's going to alleviate some of the stress associated with money. And so then again, it wraps itself back up. As, as I mentioned. So it's a full circle. It's all connected. And the premise of this book, Happy Money, Happy Life, is that idea that these dimensions are overlapping, they're intersecting. And when you focus on one area where you feel it's lacking and needs a bit of strength, then, then it ripple effects. And so my goal is for people to understand that we have a bit more control over our finances than what we're taught. And if once we recognize and take control of that financial aspect, we can then affect other areas. Yeah, I want to talk about these these happy dimensions that that you lay out in your book. Of course, I want people to read the book, so I'm not going to not going to spoil all of them, but there <laughs> there are two that really jumped out at me that I want to talk a little bit about, and that's happy work and happy space. So in happy work, you talk about this idea of rewiring, not retiring. And, you know, that's like a complete mindset shift from even how most of our parents, certainly how our grandparents live their lives, right? They went to work, they worked for 30 years, they retired, and then however, you know, long they lived after that, it was, you know, rest and relaxation, maybe a little golf, whatever, whatever it might be. And, (laughs) you know, we're in a kind of a different place now, like certainly even after the pandemic and, and, you know, people, the, the idea, the way they're working is so different than even it was, you know, 10 plus years ago. So tell me about this idea of, rewiring like why is that a better choice than you know hyper focusing on retirement per se yeah what's interesting is that after speaking with many people who've retired they're in their 70s and 80s they tell me one of the issues they deal with is trying to do something with their time they miss productivity they miss teamwork they miss the social aspect of working and all those things affect our levels of happiness and life satisfaction. So I so I tend to push back on this notion that people want to retire early. What we want to do is quit bad jobs. That's essentially what we want to do. We want to leave these unsafe, unhealthy workplaces. And so yes, we can we can talk about the financial aspect and in order to help you leave these unsafe workplaces, in order for you to find work that's more aligned to your core values, that that excites you. And so for me, I've been really talking a lot about rewiring, not retiring. So this way you start looking right now for the work 
that fills your heart, that moves your spirit, that keeps you, keeps you going and also brings in money because we know, again, money, money is essential. And so it's not about just working at a nonprofit. It's not just about working or volunteering your time. It's about doing work, hitting the, like getting the productivity, as I mentioned, teamwork and feeling like you're involved in building something. And that contributes to your sense of happiness. And what I tend to see with most people is that uh, this idea of, I want to retire early, or I, I'm just going to, I'm on this path of, of traditional retirement. And I want to break that, that mentality because retirement, when you look at the history of that word, was introduced in the 1900s just to replace people with the younger workforce. So as the workforce aged, and they necessarily didn't want to leave, they were actually forced to leave the workforce in order for the younger generation to take in the roles. And because society has changed, technology has changed, our, some of our values have evolved, it's important for us to understand that our thinking about work our thinking about retirement needs to change as well, because I'm an advocate for for people, no matter what age, to continue working at the jobs that that they love, or in the careers or the fields that they're in, and that starts with shifting our own mindset, our own belief system, and and I see it time and time again. If those who follow the financial independence movement and they talk about retiring early, if you speak to every single one of these individuals. 99.99% of them are still working in some capacity, in some form. And so I wanted them to be a bit more truthful and share that work is essential to our well-being and it's just the type of work. And that requires us rewiring our brain and detaching ourselves from this idea of our self-worth, as you mentioned, tied to salaries and titles associated with these jobs. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. This really hits home for me because I, I was actually I'm a big fan of therapy. Uh, I was having a, a therapy session yesterday and I was saying to my therapist that I am so tired. I've had a bunch of things happen a couple of years ago, became deaf in my left ear, and I'm just I'm just tired, you know? And I was I was telling her this and I was saying, you know, I feel like I want like a year sabbatical, like I want to take a year break. But I'm like, but I can't do that because I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. and <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one time service, Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. 
The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and enter code ETM at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash ETM. Go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and use code ETM for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince, and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout-friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash etm. You know, what I do like requires me to keep doing what I'm doing to to build and reach more people and you know, so I went through this whole like disaster scenario of what if I just like dropped it all? And then I was thinking, well, what would I do if I actually stopped working for a year? And I was like, I would probably end up doing the same thing that I'm doing now because because this is what I love. So, you know, I, re- I really love this message. And I think, you know, what what really hits home for me is that, you know, if we're on social media or something like that, and we get these like quick little like 60 second nuggets of someone saying that, you know, they retired early and they they left their job, you know, what they're not telling is the whole rest of the story, which is what you're talking about, is that they're probably out there then finding something else to do. So this idea of, you know, I think so many people like poo-poo the idea of like you can make your passion your job, but it's really important. I bet there are, maybe you did some of this research for the book, but I bet there are a lot of studies about people who who retire and don't fill that with that time with things that they're really passionate about. 
I would imagine that those people maybe even die a little bit earlier than other people who kind of have this lifelong passion that they follow. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It was that to me was very alarming. I think anecdotally, like people do share that, oh, so and so have retired and all of a sudden they've gotten they got sick and then they passed away. And so the studies show people in their 70s and 80s who've worked their entire life, enjoyed the work uh, that they were doing when they were forced to retire or they felt society was telling them it was time to retire and they left the workforce, within a year, they would pass away. And some of the stories that I shared in the book, which is really sad for me and eye-opening, is that many of these people waited to spend their money until retirement, believing that once they retired, that all the time in the world to do the things that they've wanted to do. They're going to go travel cross-country or they're going to go to Europe or things like that. And then all of a sudden, as they approached the retirement age, their physical well-being wasn't 100%. And now they were unable to physically enjoy the things that they wanted to do. And then all of a sudden, now they're getting a mental toll because they can't. They had this idea that the at the end of retirement was their dream life. And, and so it causes all this mental distress and that leads to the body. I think just giving up. And then so it is sad when you look at the statistics of people who who retired uh, at old age waiting and, and then dying at that point. So for me, I don't think we need to wait to retirement uh, to do the work that we want to do. You, certainly in my experience in my own life, when I, what I call happy work is that I have had multiple careers in my lifetime. And so if I count them, probably eight or nine different things that I've been doing from climbing up the corporate ladder and banking to becoming a entrepreneur, to becoming an author, and then a speaker, there are many things that I'm doing. And so in Happy Work, I even talk about, look at your work life in these series, uh, in this four steps. The first one is a job, and then a career, a profession and then a purpose. And so you can easily think of a job just helps you earn a paycheck. And then a career is something that that you enjoy. Okay, well, I'm in the career of banking or in the career of teaching. A profession is something more. It's a, it's a love for something within that gives you a paycheck. So it's you're professing your love for a particular work type. And so I want people to understand that. So and when you become a profession in a specific field, understand that profession can carry on on any different type of careers. So I have people who tell me that I love teaching. So their profession is teaching and been, they've been working in public school systems. And now they're, they're no longer desiring to work in the public school system and they think they need to go into corporate America. And I go, well, if you love teaching, that's your profession, you can certainly change the industry in which you're working. You could work in college, you can work in HR, training, there are other opportunities. And again, too, again, it's part of that reframing um, our relationship with work and eventually moving forward to that fourth stage, which is purposeful work, where it's no longer just serving yourself, it is truly serving something, something greater. You shared a little bit about that you had, you've had many different careers and you're someone that I always just admire because you're just so great about taking breaks. You just went on a massive kind of world trip, if I'll call it. And, uh, you know, I've, I've loved kind of following your journey. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how your relationship with money has changed since you've been, you know, writing this book and really zeroing in on this idea of, you know, money and happiness. I think earlier we talked about being a high functioning financial mess. And, and so that messiness is still in me. And, and so I am a financial wellness advocate sharing the details that there are certain things that we can get right. And then the world changes and situations changes. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves back to some of the financial messiness that we thought we cleaned out. And so that is my story. And that is, that is the relationship where I was a financially secure early retiree 
able to quit a corporate job and backpack around the world going through 20 countries in 12 months and knowing I had enough money to basically live off for the next one to two years. But then that experience opened my eyes to becoming an entrepreneur and on this journey to educate others on the meaning of financial wellness. Well, on this journey, I got caught up in the pursuit of influence and revenues. So instead of chasing titles and salary, I began chasing business influence and business revenue. It is the same issue of the same kind. So I (laughs) began hustling and grinding and then began making bad financial decisions, bringing in people that were making the wrong decisions for my business. And so starting this journey as a financially secure early retiree and finding myself as a bankrupt entrepreneur. I mean, that was a wake-up call to look at my life and the decisions that I was making and realizing that I was still continuing to do make the same mistakes because I wasn't aware of the deep-rooted issues or relationships I had with money. And so when when I was using my title and my income to show others that I've made it, I can prove to the world as a first gen, as a minority, like I can prove to the world that I've made it against all odds. And then realizing that going off the, uh, the unusual path, it is very difficult. And then coming back and saying, okay, well now I'm an entrepreneur and I'm making it, look at, look at all the things I'm doing, <laughs> look at my revenues and making the same mistake. And I mean, that was a, a shift. That was a wake-up call once again, because my body began manifesting symptoms and I could no longer do the mental gymnastics that I was doing to say, everything is okay. I'm all good. I'm fine. And, and that again, too, was rooted on this scarcity mindset, on this belief that, that money and what money can show others, my self-worth. And, and again, I just used different words, but it was the same thing. And so I had to remove myself. I had to remove myself from those situations. So I left masterminds. I, I stopped engaging with people who are all about the hustle and grind mentality. And I started focusing more on the things that really truly brought joy and happiness into my life. I became a certified yoga teacher I, I do breath work. So I'm a certified breath work specialist. I love to travel. And then I realize I can be that weird person who talks about money and does <laughs> yoga poses. I can yeah. be the yeah, the financial speaker who's gonna start the session with a breath work exercise. And I don't care because what I want to do, if I'm true to my philosophy, is to show people when we've achieved a level of financial security. We can be a bit more of ourselves. And I've done this twice. And so I don't want to repeat it a third time. And so for me now, it's truly integrating the things that bring joy and happiness into my life. And as you noted, that includes my travel. And so now showing these beautiful, beautiful photos and having these conversations about our health and our wealth. And it's, it's more fruitful for me. And I know it excites other people too. Yeah, you talk about you talk about money beliefs, and I, I want to spend a little bit of time here because in in Happy Money you you talk about this, and I think so many of us get stuck in uh, false money beliefs or even just things that we're believing about money. I was wondering, you know, what are some of maybe the most common money beliefs that you see most of us just kind of getting stuck in? One. We talked about it. Money can't buy happiness. I think that is so ingrained in us and it's so hard for people to shift that. So I want to stress on that one more time. The second piece that I see that people get stuck on with their money beliefs is a belief that they can't make more than what they're currently making. And that has a lot to do as well that since we do tie our self-worth to to money, if we don't feel good about ourselves, if we don't see ourselves in, in a good light, in a positive light, well, that's going to reflect on our relationship with income. And so that to me is very detrimental to our well-being because that shows that there's something in, deeper rooted that's causing you or limiting you from really earning 
more or getting paid what you're worth. And I think there's a lot of talk, right? In terms of getting paid what we're worth and how do you have these conversations with your your bosses and your managers, especially in light of all the things that are happening around the world and, and companies and, and the layoffs and, and people being let go. Well, how do you still get to be paid your worth? And that has a lot to do, again, that, that relationship and figuring out how you detach your self-worth from the income number. And that actually will help you have better conversations with your managers and your boss, because you're coming from a place of not scarcity, but abundance of a place of knowing your worth uh, that is separate from your being. And I want, want to stress that like your work is a part of who you are, but your productivity in a company or a corporation is separate from who you are. They're two different things. And, and once you understand that, you're then able to get the income that you need. And, and ultimately, that's what drives all the other things or all the other issues when it comes to our finances. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. And you also talked about this idea that you want to be this, you know, kind of weird uh, money expert where you stand up and do <laughs> yoga poses and, and breath work. And I love you. I'm, I'm like right there with you, uh, which maybe just kind of think about for somebody listening who might not really understand or make the connection how do we how do we feel money stress money trauma false money beliefs how is that like manifested in our in our bodies so the most interesting thing that i've read in studies when you feel a specific muscle knot in your body or you feel a, like your stomach churning because of a specific situation your body is responding that is that is an emotional response that is now showing itself physically. And so when we when you talk about, oh, I have this gut feeling that something is gonna happen, well, yeah, your emotional, your nervous system. So your emotions are really based around your nervous system. They are sensing the environment, the situation around you, and alerting you. 
What tends to happen is that when you are not accepting or aware of these emotions or you're pushing them down and you're saying, okay, I'll deal with them later or uh, I'm going to talk myself out of these emotions without experiencing them first. Well, what that does is that it doesn't change the situation. Your body is still in that environment and it starts causing mental distress. So when we stop for a moment and look at what we're feeling based on the situation, based on the environment, we can then stop the cycle. And so those of us, and I think this ha- this happened to me as well. So we're in a situation, we're in an environment, um, we're getting these negative emotional responses and we don't want to deal with it. We want to retreat. All of a sudden we're doing the mental gymnastics and the exercise to say, everything is okay. Everything is okay. I'm not going to deal with it. It's going to work itself out. Well, we do that enough. It's going to cause mental distress. And if you do that for too long, mental distress is going to turn into clinical diagnosable mental health issues. And all of this then starts manifesting itself physically. So so again, too, that mental gymnastics that you're doing in your mind to kind of cope with the situation will manifest itself physically. So you're going to feel the aches and pains. I mean, I developed vertigo. I had bloodshot eyes for two weeks. And and I kept telling myself, everything is okay. Everything is okay. My situation is okay. (laughs) And eventually realizing I needed to deal. I needed to change the situation. I needed to change the environment in order for me to actually heal. So for those of us who've experienced financial trauma or financial issues in the past, what that is, it's that that is so ingrained in us and, and it's showing itself. So if you've, if you've had a hard time getting out of bed, if you have a hard time doing the things that you know can lead to a physically healthy version of you, that is, that can be rooted to some traumas and issues, um, from your past. And that needs, some unraveling, working with a therapist, working with a psychologist to unravel that. And what I've learned through the studies as well is once we recognize what those things are, we need to create or get new data inputs. And the reason why I call it data inputs is that our brain is a machine. Our brain is a processing machine. It is constantly processing information and to figure out where everything is. And so Clinically diagnosable mental health issues just says that your brain has become rewired in a way that's not helpful to you. And one way uh, psychologists and psychiatrists have looked into and studies is what's called the post-traumatic growth, which is looking that all of us have traumatic experiences in one degree or another. We're not comparing, but there are some people who can spiral and other people who can experience growth. And what they've discovered is that those who experience growth based on traumatic experiences, we see a connection on new experiences new connections, uh, a desire, and, and a want to, to read and learn. And, and what that does is that all these new experiences, all these new data points uh, is informing your brain to look at your situation differently, to give you a different perspective on what's happening today or what has happened to you in the past. And that will help you kind of look at, oh, okay, now there was a reason why these things happen. And so so I want people to, to understand that, yes, the financial trauma and the issues will manifest itself, but eventually there is a way out of it as well. Well, I feel like we could talk for hours. <laughs> there, there's, there's so much here to really dive in. You know, and I, I normally end, Jason, with, some sort of action steps, but I, I'm thinking that I would love to just kind of close out our conversation, leaving everyone listening with maybe just kind of hammering this point home. You know, why do you think it's important that we work on our relationship with money so we can get to that point of happy money, happy life? Why, why does this matter? Agree with it or not, money weaves itself into society. We have grown up in a society built around money. It's in everything. We consider a bestseller a success because it generated a lot of money, a blockbuster movie because it generated a lot of money. 
We look at people who are paid a good income. Well, they're successful because they make a lot of money. So whether or not you agree that money should or should not be important in life, it is. And it's essential and vital and crucial for us to work on our relationship with money, to have the healthiest and positive experiences with money. So this way we can then affect our actual state of being. And so when we have this relationship that's unhealthy, and it's a relationship that we've had for, for years, doing the work to shift our mindset, to shift our behaviors, and taking some of those actionable items that your previous guests have shared is going to then shift not just your mental state. It's going to help you uh, grow in emotional intelligence. It's going to help you understand who you are. And when you do, you're then able to make better financial decisions when it comes to, to that money aspect of it. And better financial decisions lead to better outcomes, life outcomes. And so I want people to understand that money weaves itself in And what we can do to better our life is to minimize the impact of money by getting good with it. And that starts with improving our relationship with money. I'm a huge fan of Jason's, if you couldn't already tell, because he and I share this same belief system around how we talk and teach about money. So if you've struggled with this idea of money equals happiness, the good news is you are a perfectly normal human, my friend. I think we all struggle with this occasion and we're just trying to figure it out and and how to do both. How do we have a happy life and happy money without obsessing about money all the time? So thankfully, Jason is here to help you do just that. So if you love travel, yoga, breath work, money, you can follow Jason on Instagram and Twitter at Jason Vitug. And you can find Happy Money, Happy Life, his new book at your favorite bookstores, you are definitely going to want to get a copy of this book. Remember also to shop local. It's very important. We want to support our authors, but we also want to support our local bookstores. If you enjoyed this episode, all right, you know what to do. Share it with your friends right now and tell them, listen to this conversation and start having happy money, happy life. As always, you can have the show notes for all the links to our episode guests, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you right back here, my friends, in a few days for a brand new episode. 